Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, and welcome back to Tripping Up. I'm your host, Nina Clapperton, author of ninaoutandabout.ca. Tripping Up is a comedy travel podcast where we celebrate when travel doesn't go exactly as planned. Today, I'm speaking with Suzanne Van Atten, an award-winning freelance writer and editor who has penned some amazing magazine articles, newspaper articles, and books. She writes features, profiles, reviews, and long-form narrative stories on a variety of topics. I'm a big fan of all of her travel works, and I think you will be too when we're done this amazing episode. Join us this week as we talk about souvenirs that hold deep personal meaning and some interesting trip-up stories. This is Suzanne Van Atten on Tripping Up. Now boarding. Hi, Suzanne. Welcome to Tripping Up. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. I know you've been exploring the world professionally, but I'd love it if you could tell my listeners a little bit more about how you travel and why you travel. How I travel and why I travel. Um, Well, I mean, I travel to experience uh, new things. I, um, I, my parents were big travelers. I think they really inspired me. Um, even into their 80s, they were going on mission trips with their church to Nicaragua and taking cruises on the Black Sea. Um, in fact, I have this amazing picture of my mother resting on her walker in Croatia. I mean, you know, they they were just incredible the way that they traveled. And so... Um, What really started it, though, for me was um, when I was 13, my family moved to Puerto Rico. My father got a job there. And this was in the 70s. And San Juan was in the midst of this really glamorous period of uh, tourism was on the rise. And all these like big names like Liza and Nellie were coming from Vegas to play the resorts. And it was like super thrilling for someone like me who'd grown up in the suburbs of the South. Um, you know, my world was pretty small up until that point. Um, you know, I mean, my life had been surrounded by people who looked just like me and who sounded just like me. It was a very homogenized existence. So 
suddenly I'm uprooted and immersed in this culture where I didn't know the language, I didn't know the food, I didn't know the religion, the customs. And it was a dramatic shift for me at a young age. Um, and it was also a big revelation to be a minority, you know, as a white person in a brown world. So my mind was blown and uh, the experience just completely changed the way that I saw the world. Um, I mean, it's like these synapses in my brain started firing that had been long dormant. And I just quickly realized how much I loved being surrounded by the unfamiliar. I loved being out of my comfort zone. I loved having to, you know, use my wits to navigate unfamiliar territory. So that just makes me feel alive. And, um, you know, the best way to experience that is through travel. So my whole life, all my expendable income, I use to pay for trips. I, I am a travel writer. I don't take free trips. I don't take free anything. I, I work for outlets that do not um, accept that. So um, I can write off my expenses, <laughs> but uh, I shell out for my travel. And um, so I'm not into things. I don't have a fancy house or a fancy car, or fancy clothes. I spend all my discretionary funds on travel. Um, and I'm the happiest and the most fulfilled when I have at least one or two trips in various stages of planning on the horizon, because um, that's what gives me joy. I am exactly the same. I definitely realized during the pandemic that my favorite hobby is planning travel. And when I couldn't do that, it was this, I had to pick up embroidery because I was like, I have nothing else to do. <laughs> I know. It left a huge void, didn't it? I yeah. mean, I know that on the scale of, of things that the pandemic, you know, brought to our world that was low in, in um, you know, in the list of concerns. But it definitely, I mean, I canceled five trips during, I mean, tick, I had tickets, mm -hmm. you know, five trips that I canceled. And, and then, like you said, not being able to plan, not knowing, and it was, um, it was quite an adjustment. Oh, yeah. But I think that, like, for people like you and me, like you said, like, you do feel the most yourself when you're abroad. So for us, even though it seems frivolous, I think it is like, a very significant change that we then have to face because that that is your life. I mean, it's complete a completely new perspective now and staying put is a lot harder than it sounds sometimes. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So when you travel, do you prefer more budget, luxury, um, more like cultural integrations? Like what's your kind of ideal form of trip? Well, I like a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I understand the pleasure of, you know, lounging by the pool at a resort, um, but I don't often do that. Um, I like to tr I like to go to a place and stay like where people live and work. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of like the working class neighborhoods and um you know, that kind of thing. Definitely culture. Um, I also like, I love bars around the world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, um, of course I love to, the food, but I really love checking out bars in different parts of the world. Um, so yeah, not a lot of luxury, but occasionally, sometimes I'll tack it on, like, especially if I had a long trip where it's been a little grueling and in the car a lot, you know, I'll tack on a little splurge at the end or something. Which I think is necessary because 
Yeah. Like I think when we, like people like us travel, it's a travel, not a vacation. So you almost need that like vacation added on to it. (laughs) Right. I often need a vacation from my travels. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure with all those travels, you've picked up a weird souvenir and I would love it if you would share it with me. Yeah. So, you know, mostly what I collect is, you know, not interesting to anyone else. I take tons of pictures and I like to buy artwork and crafts, but even then I don't buy a lot of stuff just because like I say, I spend my money on travel, not on stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is one kind of weird souvenir I have that I treasure. Uh, So Puerto Rico feels like a second home to me. I go there a lot and, you know, like you were saying, I mean, I feel like I'm the best version of myself when I'm there. It's just very special. So naturally, you know, when Hurricane Maria devastated the island in 2017, it was particularly heartbreaking. Um, And I finally got down there six months after the storm. Um, I, I was doing a story and doing some volunteer work. And it was so disturbing to see all the damage. And I mean, there was still blue tarps on buildings everywhere and piles of debris on the side of the road. And everywhere you went was just this constant rumble of generators because, you know, not everybody had power and huge swaths of forest wiped out. It was just unbelievable. So anyway, I drove down to this town called Patillas. It's on the southeast corner of the island. And this is where the storm made windfall, where where it landed, landfall. Um, And there had been this tiny little beachside hotel there in a very remote area all by itself. It looked like it was built in the 50s. It was called um, Caribe Playa. And um, it was just incredibly sweet, modest and old fashioned. It was maybe 20 rooms stacked on two levels, all facing the beach. And the, the ocean is real calm on this side of the island. That's the Caribbean side. And um, this hotel was like so close to the water. It's like 30 feet from your front door. It was just wow. crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was like crazy close. So I would often go there when I visited the island. Sometimes I would stay there and sometimes I just would like just go look at it because I wanted to remind myself that, you know, this little time capsule still existed in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure, you know, where this is going, you know, that adorable little hotel was obliterated by the storm. All that was left was a concrete shell and some waterlogged furnishings just scattered everywhere. So I drove down there and I spent an hour, you know, just wandering around the grounds and taking pictures and, of the devastation. And there was just all this debris and furniture, pieces of furniture scattered around the grounds. And it struck me, you know, I suddenly was like, uh, I want a piece of this. You know, I need a piece of this. Um, so I started just sort of looking around and I found this piece of uh, glass, like about the size of a key that had been sandblasted to a smooth finish. And, you know, I don't know, of course, but, uh, you know, I'd like to think it's a piece of glass from one of the guest room windows that had gotten tumbled around in the storm, you know, until it was smooth like sea glass. So I I still have it. And, you know, I always think if anybody like were to look in my jewelry box and see it, they would think it was just like a piece of junk, but it's, it's something that I treasure, you know, a reminder of a place that, you know, no longer exists as as far as I know. Um, So yeah, that's probably the weirdest thing I have. (laughs) I think that's really beautiful though. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those interesting things where 
yeah, like other people don't value it. And it probably isn't something that like, if like 10 years down the line, you go to like antiques roadshow, they're not going to care. But I mean, this, I think sentimental value always matters so much more than monetary value with any, anything really like souvenir. I don't know. I don't know what else people have, I guess. I mean, I've lived as a nomad too long, so I own nothing, but with other <laughs> things as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's funny because sometimes I'll come across it in my jewelry box and I'll think, what is this? And then I'll go, oh yeah. You know, it's just a nice little reminder of that place. I mean, it lives on in my brain forever, you know? And I love that. Like the like marks that place places can leave on us as well, because yeah, like I don't think people consider how much like going to the same lovely little hotel can mean to you, especially in this like modern age of like Marriott's and Hilton's and stuff where it's like they're not I mean, they feel the same to anyone you go to. But when you go somewhere with like that real charm, yeah, like it imprints on you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I would love to know your tripping up story now. Okay, so as you said earlier, you know, I love planning trips. I mean, sometimes the planning is as much fun as the actual trip. Um, But I'm also a believer in throwing that plan out, you know, when the occasion is right. You don't want to be too rigid to the plan because then you miss some really cool serendipitous things. Mm -hmm. So um, this wasn't a pleasure trip, but well, It was and it wasn't. Um, Three years ago, I moved from Atlanta to Los Angeles, and that required me to drive across the country. And on that journey, I had two unexpected animal adventures, um, and one of which contributed to a delightful change of plans. So when I plotted this course across the country, I knew I needed to get to L.A. pretty quickly because I was traveling with a cat. Um, But I wanted to make it fun, so I decided to plan it so that I stopped in some fun cities that were more or less on the way. Um, So basically, my route was Atlanta to New Orleans, um, to Austin, Texas, to Marfa, Texas, because, you know, Texas is so big, it takes two days to drive across (laughs) it. Um, to Tucson, Arizona, to LA. So like, these are all these cool cities. I've been to all of them, but Marfa before. So, but I'd always wanted to go. So I packed up my little Volvo hatchback, you know, to the gills and set out for my drive. And along with me uh, went my friend Shelly and my crazy cat Spook, who was contained in a portable carrier and doped up on Kitty Xanax. So um, our plans changed on the very first day. As we approached New Orleans, we were both so hyped up and into the drive, like we didn't want to stop. It was too soon. So we just kept going across Louisiana. And we ended up stopping just um, just before the Texas border in um, uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, um, which happens to be the home of the greatest Americana artist of all time, Lucinda Williams. So that was exciting. So anyway, we checked into this cheap motel and started to look for a place to eat. And there were very few restaurants in this town. It's a very small town. And because it was Memorial Day, what few restaurants there were, were closed. So we ended up having to go to a casino of all places to eat that night. And after dinner, it was dark and I was tired and I'd had a couple drinks and I was just ready to crash in bed. 
So we're driving back to the hotel and we get off the freeway and turn towards our motel, which is literally within view. I mean, I can see the motel. I can almost see my bed. And um, we discovered that the police have blocked the road and oh, everybody's, no. everybody's pulled their cars over and are, get, are out and walking around the road, you know, just wandering around. And we're like, what the hell? So we pull over, get out of our car and start wandering around. And we walk up to the roadblock and discover in the middle of the road, an enormous alligator. Like, I mean, nine, 10 feet. He was enormous. Oh my God. In the middle of the road. And these big burly dudes with poles and lassos are trying to wrangle it and get it in the back of a pickup truck. And so, and this gator is like thrashing and rolling like in the middle of the road. I mean, it was just bizarre. And we're just standing there like way too close for it to be safe. You know, nobody's telling us to back up and we watch all of this go down. So at one point a wrangler pulls out a gun and I freak out. You know, I imagine the worst and run back to my car cause I'm not gonna witness, you know, the killing of this poor creature. Um, but then my friend Shelly comes back and she's like, oh, it's just a stun gun, you know? So I go back up there and we watch him wrangle. I mean, this is going on for well over an hour. Finally, these guys get the gator <laughs> subdued and in the truck. And they told us they were taking it to the vet because um, they thought a car had run over its tail. Oh. That it had climbed up into the road and that a car had run over the tail. So they were going to take it to the vet and release it. So we were impressed with that, prayed that it was true. So anyway, that was that adventure. And we went back to the hotel and went to sleep. So um, that was a pretty exciting start to our journey. The second animal adventure <laughs> involved the drugged up cat in my back seat. <laughs> so this cat at the time was practically feral. I mean, I couldn't even pick him up or anything. He would rip me to shreds. And um, that's why I had taken him to the vet to get the Xanax so I could take him across the country to our new home. And he actually did really well on the trip. He'd just sleep all day long. And when we'd stop at night, he'd stumble out of the carrier uh, with his eyes like half open, eat, use a cat box. And then I'd dope him up in the morning and we'd off we'd go. So we were about halfway through our trip um, just outside of Marfa, we were approaching Marfa. And uh, that's when I learned what high desert means. Like I'd heard of the high desert all my life, but I never really thought about why it was called that. And of course it refers to the elevation. The elevation is very high around Marfa, more than 4,600 feet, which I wouldn't have thought, you know, being a desert mm -hmm. for whatever reason. So anyway, you know, anyone who's done any high altitude travel knows that it can have adverse effects on the body and the adverse effect it had on my cat's body was it caused him to empty his bowels and his stomach from both ends simultaneously oh no <laughs> like all at once there was a loud yowl and oh both ends so my friend Shelly was driving at the time and the stench was so overpowering she just like hit the gas we were trying to get to our hotel as fast as we could and get out of that car. And just our luck, a Texas Ranger lay in wait and pulled us over. And uh, he walked up to the car and as soon as he stuck his head in the car and caught a whiff 
of the issue we were dealing with, he was like, go, go. <laughs> he, he like wrote us the, a warning, no ticket, a warning and wrote it faster than any cop has ever written anything. So, um, so then we get to the hotel and this was going to be our splurge night. We were staying at this very swanky hotel, the St. George hotel. And um, I mean, we were already grimy and frazzled. We'd just been driving through the desert for eight hours in a compact car, you know. But yeah. on top of that, I had to sneak sneak this dripping cat carrier, you know, past the reception desk and pray. We did. I don't even know if animals were allowed. I just sneak in. So we we. But I got him in and got him in the shower. Blasted the cat, the carrier, myself, and. Um, I remember just collapsing on the bed saying, you know, I, I am not getting back in that car in the morning. <laughs> we got to <laughs> stay another day. So I picked up the phone and got a second night. So it was like a huge relief just after that ordeal to know that, okay, we're going to stay here for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And um, so the next day we like sat by the pool and drank prickly pear margaritas and ate the steak that was like as big as our head. And, and we explored the town of Marfa, which is a really magical place. I don't know if you've ever been, but it has, no, this weird, it has this really weird vibe. It's like this intersection of contemporary art and cowboy culture. And Ooh. it's something about maybe the high altitude, but it just creates this energy that's really really cool and fun so there's all these cool art installations and really good restaurants great bars there's this viewing area on the edge of town where you can watch mysterious lights at night that have people have identified for 100 years and it's just a really cool town you know in the desert in the absolute middle of nowhere so by the third day, I was finally ready to get back in that car and drive across the country. And by then, the cat had adjusted to the altitude, thank heavens. <laughs> and um, But it's funny, like whenever I think back on that trip, it's like that stolen, it felt like a stolen day in Marfa that is so vivid and is what I really treasure. So, um, you know, I have my cat's distress to thank for <laughs> Um, giving me pause on that trip and and giving me that experience. I'm hoping that was an intended pun there with the pause, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, but I love it when like, I don't know, I, see, this is what I love celebrating on this podcast is things go awry, but it always like it, it comes together somehow, whether it's like, yeah, that extra night. I mean, I've never had a prickly pear margarita, but now I need to because that sounds oh, yeah. so good. Is you it definitely like. Do. So what does a prickly pear even taste like? I don't think I've ever had one. It's sweet. It's not tart um, like a normal margarita. And for whatever reason, at this particular place, it was the color of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know um, if I would like order that on site then, but I mean, I'm I'm still going to try it. But I think it's like, like, you know, when you see people walking by with that, like beautiful glass, like that one, you're like, oh, they they had a cat that exploded. (laughs) (laughs) It is delicious. But you're right. You know, I I mean, I I think every time I've had anything go awry, I've gotten lost. I mean, some of the best thing times is when you get lost and then you find something you didn't expect. So. Um, you know, what's that saying uh, about 
the end, if everything's not okay in the end, it's not the end or something. Yes. You know? It's like, yeah, if something goes awry, it doesn't just stop there. You work through it and, and, and it'll lead you to something you didn't even plan on and could be even better than what you planned. So, so um, true. Yeah. Well, and I think like as a society, we also have this like fear of being lost, but I don't know if it's because of like Google maps and this ruined us for like the love of, I mean, even just like being lost in your life. Like I have friends that are like in their twenties, like I am, and they're like, I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, you're in your twenties. That's great. Like who cares? Right. <laughs> be lost. <laughs> this is the best time to be lost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you be lost, anything to lose yeah. Well, exactly. And I think like, I don't know this is why like I'm a very big advocate for like travel when you want to don't wait for like xyz to happen just do exactly. it exactly absolutely yeah I was never the type to wait until I retired for one thing I don't think I'll ever retire so you know I'm exactly um, the same <laughs> yeah but I traveled when my kids were young you know I mean and now they love to travel so what better gift to give it the next generation I think that's a really good way of putting it. It's like, it is a gift. And I mean, I know it's a difficult and like everyone hates you when you're that parent on the plane, but like it's, <laughs> once you get past the plane, it's worth it. <laughs> right. You could say that about every trip. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That, that's one thing I haven't missed is that like, I hate airports. I hate planes. And I know other travelers are like, yeah, but it means like you're on your way. And I'm like, I teleportation. I am crossing my fingers and waiting for teleportation. For sure. For sure. But honestly, I love road trips. I mean, I, I love a reason to drive back across the country. You know, I mean, I um, I like watching the landscape change, you know, uh, and you lose that when you fly everywhere. So, oh, yeah. So I'm going to share my tripping up story now to even Please. the playing field. Um, I think it's important that if you're sharing a semi-traumatic cat moment in your life <laughs> that I share a semi-traumatic Nina moment. Um, and mine actually relates. I think I was more, I think I was your cat in the situation, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so when I was young, uh, I was about 16 and I had this obsession with Paris and I don't know why I'd never been to France, but I was convinced that I needed to go to Paris and I don't speak French. I'm a very poor Canadian that way. I have failed the Canadian school system or it failed me. Depends on who you ask. I argue both. Um, <laughs> but I, my mom did this thing where we go on like a trip with her every year, each individual child, because there's a ton of us and she wants to travel. It was a great excuse. Um, I loved it. And so she would surprise me every year because I love surprises. And I'd been hinting, not really hinting, more like blatantly saying, take me to Paris for at least two years. And she kept saying that I, I wasn't allowed to go until I was in love with someone. And I, I wasn't, I mean, I was 16. I was like, in love with probably still Robert Pattinson, Edward Cullen sort of thing <laughs> was that time. Um, and he wasn't going to go with me. So, I mean, got to make do. And on my, I believe I was 17. So for my 17th birthday, she surprised me with a trip to Paris. And I was so excited, like dream trip. I mean, she'd done all the planning. So I had to do absolutely nothing, just like show up and get like three days in Paris. And it was going to be great and beautiful and also amazing. And then everything went wrong <laughs> immediately. 
So we arrived and my mom is more luxurious than I am. So she booked like a nice hotel. It wasn't like I would book a crummy hostel and things like that. Um, and it was such a lovely place. We went on like March break kind of time for school break and we packed, we were like, okay, Paris in March is going to be like, like a light spring jacket. It's going to be so nice and warm. It was in London on the stopover. So it'll definitely be in Paris. And we get there and it immediately starts snowing. And it's like never snowed this much in Paris, apparently. <laughs> so we have um, a lunch booked at the Eiffel Tower, which is super exciting. Um, except we get to the Eiffel Tower and you like can barely see through this blizzard of snow we're both wearing like trainers and a light leather jacket dying absolutely dying <laughs> um it was kind of lovely because like no one else was at the eiffel tower so it meant that like where there's usually hordes of people and those obnoxious couples it was like just me and my mom and like no one else in the restaurant would venture outside we did i think i got windburn on my face from it but it was <laughs> lovely and then things just kind of kept going downhill from there. So like there were definitely high points. We went on like a chocolate tour and macaron tasting, which like as a chocolate lover, I was super happy with. But then we had to end the tour running across a field to a museum because we were so cold, we couldn't feel our toes anymore. <laughs> um, and for some reason, another weird thing, like I get these weird obsessions that I, like, I need to do. And I really wanted to go to the Louvre. I'm not really an art person. Like I appreciate it, but I'm not like critical or anything, but it was just something like you kind of have to do in Paris anyway. Like it's like that and shopping and Eiffel Tower. So I'd done one of the three and I was like, cool, we're going to check off the Louvre today. We had a tour scheduled, but I woke up that morning and I was like, oh, I don't feel like quite right. Let's like, we'll go to breakfast and I'll feel better. Um, and we go to like leave the room and I like open the door and then immediately like, 180 degree turn, run to the bathroom and immediately start bombing. And I'm just like, and I don't know what, like, we still don't know what caused it, what happened. Um, and my mom, like this did sometimes happen to me when I was younger. Like I would just like wake up if I didn't, if I'd gone, like if I'd slept too long and hadn't eaten, it was this weird thing. I might throw up in the morning. So she was like, cool, I'll get you breakfast. You'll be fine when I get back. And that wasn't her being callous. That was like, that's why I want to explain that I was, I had this weird thing. Um, it was a genuine response. Cause like I, I'm hypoglycemic. So we didn't know that at the time, we just thought it was a weird thing I did. Um, so she came back with breakfast and I'm still like dying on the floor of the bathroom and she doesn't know what to do because she's like, well, we have this tour. You really want to go. I was like demanding that I would get up and I'd be fine. And I would do it. So she's like, okay, like we can try. I mean, it's only three blocks away. Let's go. She like gets me up, gets me kind of ready to go. As we're walking along, I'm like slowly like trying to get there. I'm like convincing myself. It's just, I don't know yeah, like I hadn't eaten enough or something like whatever. And I was like snacking on a croissant or like a protein bar or something on the walk. So I was like, I'll be fine. Once we get there, we'll get in. I'll do this. Worst case, I'll see the Mona Lisa and I'll leave. So we go in and I get my dream. I get to see the Mona Lisa, but I get to see it and then immediately puke next to it. <laughs> So um, the poor tour guide who was like not prepared for this at all is like, oh God, like, and I did, luckily it was in a trash can. I had the foresight to like 
aim because I'm a good person <laughs> to this day. Like, I don't remember the Mona Lisa. Like, I know that I saw it. I know that like my mom witnessed me see it. I have no memory of it because I was so out of my mind ill. We actually ended up having to cancel the trip early and fly home um, about 36 hours early because I was so ill that like I could not even like the plane ride home um, when we were at the airport. I was like that like it was weird because like I felt like I was five, but I was 17, like curled up in one of the chairs, like in the fetal position on my side, just like rocking myself eating crackers. because I was like, oh, God. And my mom's like trying to like get everything ready, like, yeah, get us home early, whatever. And I felt really bad too. Cause like, I'd really wanted to go. We'd really wanted to like have this Paris experience together. And we've since decided that what it is, is that I was cursed because I didn't go with someone I was in love with. So she was right. <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> So in the end, it just means that I have to go back. Luckily, actually, nowadays as well, back then Paris was like very much red meat only and I don't eat red meat. So I was actually vegetarian almost at the time. So it was very challenging. So I feel like when I go back now that I eat a little bit more meat, but also now that they're a little bit more veggie friendly, I think it will be like a better experience anyway. Oh <laughs> but, my gosh. What a yeah. shame. <laughs> it was just one of those like just so unfortunate we don't know like it was like a I think I had it for about three days and then it was completely out of my system and mm. it was yeah like I don't know what I did because I we were so careful because I do have a very sensitive stomach so I didn't drink the water I didn't do anything I had avoided like all the weird like things everything's fried in duck fat in Paris for yes. some reason yes. and I'd never had duck so I was like hey I don't want to try that because there's the risk of, yeah, it causing an issue. And then of course, like doing all the right things, planning so thoroughly, things still happen. <laughs> wow. Well, I have to say when I went to Paris, I just went for like a long weekend too. And um, the the day that we had set aside to do the Louvre, we go over there and we're all excited. And we walk up and they told us they're on strike. They're closed. Oh. <laughs> okay. I guess I'll have to come back. <laughs> I mean, I guess though you got like the true Parisian experience then. Exactly. Aren't they like eternally on, like everyone's strike. on strike? <laughs> right, right. Well, I hope you get back sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure I will. And I mean, like, worst case, I'll go with some friends and I think friendship love counts. So absolutely. Yeah, it'll be fine. I mean, and that's the thing is I think it is like you set these expectations for yourself and these plans and they don't always happen, but like, I still like, I love the parts of that trip that I got to enjoy before I broke. Um, and even like mom taking care of me, it's like, it was kind of a nice moment because I moved out a few months later to go to university. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. the last moment of like, like little kid and her mom sort of Aww. helping take care of her. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice spin. Nice spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping she'll like that. She listens. So I need to get some brownie points. <laughs> well, now that we've both shared our tripping up stories, I'd love if you could help me remind our listeners about why we travel and give us a travel triumph to help bring us back to the positive. Well, we travel because it's, it's you know, I travel because it makes me feel alive. It, it, it just fills me with joy. I love the... Um, 
it's like all your senses are on hyper alert. And uh, I just love that experience. So, you know, now that the pandemic appears to be over, um, you know, I'm starting to make travel plans again. So uh, I find myself just constantly scrolling through Airbnb and Hotels.com, dreaming up all these getaways and fantasizing about where I want to go next. But um, I do have a trip coming up in August to Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Um, so that's mostly going to be one of those luxury things because a friend's rented the house with the infinity pool and the chef and all that kind of stuff. Oh, nice. So, yeah, but I'm sure we'll get out and do some exploring. Um, I'm hoping to get back to Puerto Rico again in January or February for a couple of weeks um eager eager to spend some time there and then I think I really want to plan a big trip for the end of next year something to uh, like maybe Iceland or Greece or Australia those are the three I'm looking at trying to figure out Australia I have a friend in Australia so that always makes it you know yeah easier um but meanwhile I'm exploring California you know I'm still it's still new to me and this state is so incredibly gorgeous. So I'm having a lot of fun, um, you know, already taking some little side trips. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I got to have one or two on the horizon. That's <laughs> what makes me happy. So I'm eager to get back to it. And we hope you get back to it very soon and that Playa del Carmen and Puerto Rico were both awesome experiences i mean and of those three that you're thinking of for your bigger trip like honestly i've been to all three all killer highly recommend so (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me suzanne this has been a lovely episode of tripping up thank you it's been a blast attention passengers we've now reached our destination we hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day I am so inspired to head to Puerto Rico now and get out of Canada finally. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tripping Up with Suzanne Van Atten. If you want to see more of her work, check out the Moon Travel Guide uh, called Moon Puerto Rico. It's my favorite of hers. She also has another one called Moon San Juan, Vieques, and Culebra, and I'm, I know I've butchered those. So just if you search her, you'll find those online, and I've linked them in the show notes below. Her Moon Puerto Rico guide includes flexible itineraries, strategic advice, the best spots for eco-friendly outdoor adventures, which is so important right now, and handy tools like a Spanish phrase book, which is clearly helpful for me because my Spanish is very poor. If you want to hear more from me, You can find all of my travel writing at ninaoutandabout.ca. Until next time, travel safely. Cheers. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.